The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Wednesdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal sliding in the side door there. We are loaded. Lots to get into, plenty of football to talk, and plenty of coaches to hear from. Another open practice. Running backs look pretty good. You had uh, Thomas Fedoni rocking the stadium stairs, and uh, some zip on the uh, the old quarterback passing, but... Not a great review by one Mark Whipple. We'll talk about that and where the offense, where you expect the offense to be for the Big Red in Dublin. I think that's that's fair. There's game one. There's the jump you make from week one to week two. <laughs> and then uh, what are you going to be? What's your identity going to be forged on offense. Mike Babcock will be with us in about 20 minutes. We'll talk with Mr. Husker Football. Uh, Babbers with us. Mike Shuhart, some golf from Shuey out at Wilderness Ridge. And in hour two, we'll kick it off with uh, longtime college football man, voice of college football, Tim Brando will be with us. He's with Fox, but he's, he's seen it all, done it all, and get his perspective and outlook on Nebraska. And, and also just what's, what's going to be the new normal with TV, with rights, and with this, uh, this deal that's soon to be announced by the Big Ten with their partnership, not only with Fox, but with CBS and, uh, of course, with NBC. I was going to do my Howard Stern NBC impersonation, but, I, but I've shelved it. Numbers to dial up. Get in and, and involved with us. Easy to do. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can uh, find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Follow the show at HVarsity Radio. Give that a follow. Give me a follow. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Give Elijah Herbal a follow at Herbal Essence. And as always, follow Hale Varsity Radio. You can email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Bigger picture, let's talk about this, Elijah. Day one, game one, week one, Dublin, Ireland. Nebraska with a different quarterback, different offensive line. Different receiving core, different defense, different special teams, outlook, heading across the pond. So, point total. Last year, I mean, a lot of teams don't score. 20 is the number, right? You look at Northwestern 
in some lean years, they still had a good defense with Patty Fisher. You look at Northwestern in good years, incredible defense a lot of times. And then there's the, the Nebraska games where, or the Wisconsin games, or, I mean, pick, right? It's, it's first team to 20 against Northwestern, and that's usually your winner. You had an explosion last year where you put up half a hundred. Well, Nebraska was the first team to 20 last year. Let it be known. They were, but the point <laughs> is, is it ended 56-14. to 14. It was crazy, and what flipped that whole thing was, I think Nebraska's up 14-7 to 7 or something like that, and you, you have red zone, a red zone fumble by Northwestern that's recovered, and, and I don't think it was returned all the way, but it was a, it was a red zone fumble where... Yeah, there, the, there was that, I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it, which way it was, it was either... Ben Stilley causing the fumble and JoJo recovering, or was the other way around? It was JoJo causing the fumble? But Northwestern was going in. Yeah, it, they were. I think inside the five yard line, and it really flipped the script because the Huskers, I think, took it all the way down the field in the next drive and and uh, extended their lead to fourteen points. And then you had a long run by Jock Ant just after that, and that really blew the game right open. Mm-hmm. But it, it did. Yeah, I mean, he had a monster run, fifty-five, sixty-yard run, and the rest is history. But. Yeah, I mean that's that's that that's what's happened in Nebraska over the last several years. Somebody else has done that to Nebraska repeatedly. And where do we go uh, when we try and try and project this offense? Let's dive into to some of what Mark Whipple had to say, and uh, we'll start off with Whip and just him being flat out blatantly honest with how things went for the offense today and it's it's a sign of a good team when there's good and bad and there's back and forth and you're you're trading punches so to speak where the offense will have a good day then the defense will respond and then the offense you know it's it's a yin yang thing well it sounds like there's there's a bit of a run going on by the defense and at this point in camp defense is in front of the offense just what it is the offense is is learning some new install. The offense is learning uh, new terminology. And you've got a bunch of dudes who've really never played together against a defense. They can do seven on seven. They can play catch. But this is in prep for Dublin, and it's not been good. It wasn't good today. Uh, better before today. But uh, we had a bad day today. Uh, I think the guys were tired. They felt sorry for themselves. Defense did a nice job today. A couple turnovers, but I didn't like the way we responded. Same thing happened in the spring, and so I kind of don't evaluate it till see what happens the next day. We come back raw often and see what they come back with, trying to build some leadership. But they've been pretty good all the way through. Just today was a, a down day. So he's going to tell you it's not all rosy, it's not wonderful, and uh, he no doubt let his players know that in practice today. But now the media knows. <laughs> now we know, and uh, that's a talking point today. It's not time for panic. I mean, I think Nebraska is going to be able to find something that they do well. And you had Chubba Purdy making a run to to overblow this completely. But Chubba's right there taking snaps with the ones along with Casey Thompson. And listen, that's been something we thought – is is a possibility anyway but uh more from from whipple here on on his form of communication and specifically here uh his tone with the way the meetings went they didn't like getting yelled at (laughs) you know that way just you know at least they knew they didn't come out with any juice and uh um 
And so, sometimes that happens. And you got to, and it's going to happen if you play 12 games. And uh, we got to find a way. Got to take care of the ball better. There was a couple turnovers, but um, um, the guys have been fighting. It's been a really good camp. It's, it's, it's been a real good camp. So again, in the moment, not great overall. Good progress, and uh, you, you know you, you see teams come out flat. Even the vaunted Miami Hurricanes of 2001 came out flat. Need a little Ed Reed magic to win the day <laughs> and, and, and cover. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's human nature. You're not going to be great. You're not going to be hitting 9 out of 10 all the time, 10 out of 10 all the time. You're going you're gonna to have a sluggish day. Do you let it drag you down or does it piss you off and do you get better from it? Uh, now, Whipple was asked about, all right, when it's a sluggish practice, when things are going sideways, who's the leader that, that shakes you out of that problem? And and this is Whipple with that, that leadership dynamic, and he laid it out pretty well. Me, you know, like I told him today, I can only get you on the sideline. All right, the quarterback's got to take control. Casey got to be better. Chubba wasn't those two guys I got on today a little bit. They're the guy in the huddle that speaks where 10 other guys listen. So their conviction and everything else. So, um, But you're going to have those things. As I said, we got 12 games. I, I'd like to think we're going to, we could win them all, but you're going to have some, some bumps in the road, and then you got to learn from it. We did this spring. So I think all the guys, Travis has been, been a leader, and we got some new faces. So, um, you know, but I like where we're heading overall. So Casey Thompson was part of the post-practice session as well. And, and he said, look, there's got to be more voices than me and Vokalek on this offense. So you, you need somebody on that offensive line to step up and do it. Hickson's been around the longest. Bando's been around the longest, but neither of – it's not that they haven't – I mean, Bando's been waiting a long time trying to earn a starting spot. Hickson has started before, but that was – that might be pre-COVID, if, if we want to be real honest about it, 2019 – when he was at guard. So your your performance allows you to, to speak a little bit louder, but who else? Because it's a lot of new names and new faces. I mean, Oliver Martin's been here a while, but, you know, who's who's respected? Well, Vokalek for sure. Casey Thompson, because of the position, who else? Ramir? I mean, are, are there any guys that have come into the program this offseason that have been able to earn respect? I think that's that's the question, and it's one thing to to go out there and try to be a leader, but it's another thing to earn respect from your teammates. And they go hand in hand, but they're two separate things. Yeah. So uh, which guy out there, I mean, in terms of making plays, in terms of helping out the guys in his room, in terms of uh, being able to communicate across position groups, which guy out there, uh, if there isn't one now, is going to take the, these next couple of weeks and be a guy who's going to spend his fall camp building respect from his teammates and building himself into a voice that this offense listens to? Well, and it, to me, it's you, you've got to have an offensive line voice. You absolutely need somebody on the offensive line to come forward with the quarterback uh, as well as with with Vokalek, the tight end. Well, I mean, to me, it, it's it's I mean, it's key. It's where the dirty work gets done. And who's going to argue with the six foot seven, three hundred and twenty pound guy? <laughs> well, you, you shouldn't. But but that that aspect of not only being a leader but also earning the respect from your teammates. I mean, you've seen it defensively with guys like uh, I'd say Garrett Nelson is a great example of a guy who has done both of those things. And you've heard great things coming out of fall camp about his leadership and what he's been able to do on the field and how he's been able to bring the defense together. 
who's going to be that guy on offense that, well, I don't think anyone on the offense is going to live up to what Garrett Nelson has set because it really sounds like he's the leader of the, the team as a whole. But who's going to be a guy that can come up and rival that type of respect and command that, that Garrett Nelson has with the defense, but on the offensive side of the ball? Is there going to be a guy that can do that? That's going to be a big question as we move forward and get closer to Dublin. Well, you still have two weeks. You still have uh, another week of camp. You still have some preseason stuff going on. So didn't sense or hear or feel any panic just not a good day and you could uh, you could tell a year ago when it was a bad practice and the head man was speaking and and that's okay to be frustrated you you want your guys further along and uh, theoretically college football coaches coaches in general are never satisfied you, you're you're chasing that imaginary perfection uh, but but get close last thought here from Whipple before we hear from Big Teddy and uh, this is the quarterback race here, Thompson, and pretty how things are shaking out here in week three. Well, yeah, I mean, he's got experience. He's played, you know, at, at Texas, and he's done a really good job. You know, and then yesterday we gave Chubba a lot more reps. He did a good job, and I was a little disappointed he didn't come back better today. And then, uh, you know, you need two, and Logan's the third right now, and he's, he's gotten a lot better and, you know, got experience in this day, you know. Guys just get hurt, hurt more. The game's faster, and uh, you, know, you don't want anybody to get hurt, especially the quarterbacks. But you know that would be the way. You know, Casey's getting one rep. Chubb is getting a lot of. They're splitting the one reps, and uh, um, you know, in situations and things like that. Plays. I go by plays more than a lot of times. If they haven't had a rep on a play or needed it, made a miscue on one. They'll get. They'll get it. Uh, you know, the next day. And man, Whipple's just straightforwardness can be a, a breath of fresh Love air it. sometimes because he, he gave it to you straight. Number one's Casey, number two's Chubba, number three's Logan. And last thought, I said last thought a second ago, but when it comes to leadership, final thought on leadership from Mark Whipple and uh, where his quarterback is. No, it's been really good till today, but, you know, we hadn't really thrown a pick six and how you handle that and come back and, you know, um, you know, which we didn't do. We weren't too bad. We went to another series, but uh, you know, it's just kind of just it's an it just evolves as it goes. It takes time. You know, it takes time with the things in the system. But this week, these three days, we put a lot of new stuff in, so they get a chance to see it, and we'll go back over it. Uh, you know, on the weekend. Let's go to the phones real quick. Who do we have with us? We got Brian on the line. Brian, thanks for calling. Welcome into Hale Varsity. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. What do you know? Uh, Trying to get into the into the mood to drink some Kool Aid. <laughs> I what, can't, man. What, what, it, what flavor? What flavor are you? Well, it's uh, Scarlet. Yeah. So and, is it cherry uh, or strawberry? Cherry, hands down, dude. All right. Yeah. You got to go with you got to go with the cherry. Uh, F bomb, Brian. You've got to believe that uh, you'll you'll feel something at least in two weeks right maybe despair like, maybe maybe like enjoyment the huskers are my girlfriend and the past four years she's cheated on me and i came running back because you know mama knows how to love <laughs> so you're saying mama's good looking yeah she's good looking at the start but then you start dating her for a while she's just nasty well she's mean to your friends well, she doesn't let you go out hunting. No, but but she's good looking enough that everyone likes her. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I I'm really trying to get on the bandwagon, and 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 I I hope they do good. I really do. 
I think they'll win. If they don't win seven, it's bye-bye Frost, which I don't want that to happen, but eh, maybe sometimes you just need to cut your losses. Well, uh, a lot of pressure this season for sure. Brian, thanks for listening, brother. Thanks for the phone call. And See you later, buddy. Good uh, analogy with a girlfriend that's been cheating, but she's too hot to dump. Ken emails in chris at hailvarsity.com. Please tell me that wasn't Whipple's heart monitor in the background. Still construction noise. Yes. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, if it was a beep, <laughs> beep, if it was, he must beep. be doing some yoga or something that he's, he's finding he's, his zen. He's calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's seen it all. But yeah, give me live audio, non-Nixon tape of Whipple letting it fly at practice or in the meeting room. Mike Babcock is with us next. More of your thoughts and calls. Uh, Tim Brando, voice of college football with Fox next hour. There's nothing better than enjoying some sun with a drink and hot dog in hand, taking in America's pastime. Whether you're here for the baseball or the entertainment that comes with it, Werner Park is the place to be. The Omaha Storm Chasers have a handful of home games remaining, so get your tickets before it's too late. Give yourself something to look forward to as the summer winds down. Don't miss this opportunity to make lifelong memories with family and friends. This segment is presented by Union Bank and Trust. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back to you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Dustin tweets in at Schmidt underscore radio, Northwestern Nebraska a year ago, 28 to 7. When Northwestern fumbled inside the 10, the game was never close. Totally agree with you, Dustin. It wasn't close. Yeah. That was your death nail, though. I thought the, the fumble was closer. but I thought it was a you, closer Dustin. score, but, yeah. but Dustin did his research. We say hi to Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer with Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how do you think the Grateful Dead bounced back after a bad show? Um, they never had a bad show, so they never had a bad show. <laughs> That's a great answer. That's so good. I was wondering if Mike was going to go there. What do you mean, bad show? No such thing. Yeah, what, what is that? Define uh, that. Define that. I'm trying to, to relate it to Nebraska football and Coach Whipple's frankness today. With Just wasn't a good day. Mickey, uh, the quarterbacks, turnovers. Uh, I know it was open practice and – they're trying to uh, to get the, the kinks worked out. What do you think needs to be doable for two weeks from now? Because it's still play a work in progress, and this may be like uh, as unique of an offense slash situation Nebraska has been in in a long time with new assistants, and you factor in the new players. So growing pains, learning curve, all that good stuff is uh, – it happens in the world, and it certainly happens in college football. Right, and bounce back is important, right? I mean, that's that's the key. You got to you got to be able to get up and 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 respond when you make some mistakes. And it seems to me like it was always kind of the theme in fall camp that the defense was a little bit ahead of the offense. Um, and so, if if uh, Coach Whipple feels like the offense has been pretty good, but today was a kind of a down day. Let's see how they respond tomorrow. Um, that's probably a good sign that they've only had that they haven't had that many days where where he feels like they've been down. You know, mm-hmm. the, he feels like they've done a good job. So um, 
take that into the into the context of usually the defense is a little bit ahead of the offense in fall camp when you get started. Um, I think it's a positive from that standpoint. Mike, uh, a read right now from you on the offensive line, which you've heard, observed, uh, just your feel right now. And I know Turner's been watching the last couple of practices. Yeah, I think, the, you know, I, I would like to see him in the uh, – in the mix, um, it sounds like you know that uh, Don Mariola has been moving guys around um, so they can play multiple positions to deal with situations like that. But I think if he's healthy, um, he's probably one of those guys in the first five, and I would see him being probably uh, the guard alongside uh, Teddy Prohaska. And uh, uh, I really think it's important to get those get those guys experience, those five guys that are going to be the first out there. Um, but I do want to see a situation where you have an ability to, to uh, move a guard in there or move a tackle in there to, to keep guys fresh. And I like the way that the approach is, you know, that, well, we're trying guys at the different positions. Um, we're moving them around. We're, we're getting them uh, reps there um, to that end. But the closer you get to that first game, the more specific I think you have to be with who's that left tackle, who's that left guard, who's the center, who's the right guard, who's the right tackle. I think you have to spend a little more time um, approaching it that way. Flipping them around is not what you want to do at that point. Yeah, Mike, especially along the offensive line, that that understanding of knowing what the guy next to you is going to be doing and having that experience of playing next to them is so huge. But really faster, I want you to take us back to say – late May, early June, post-spring football. We saw the offensive line obviously didn't have the best game uh, during the spring game, but there was hope for the future that through a a summer of conditioning and a a fall camp under Coach Royal, this offensive line could make some strides. And based on what you've seen and and what you're hearing, are you more encouraged or more discouraged from that time as as compared to now? Well, no, I'm encouraged. And, you know, one specific is that Teddy Prohaska has been able to do some things, and he did some things in the summer to prepare himself, and he's looked pretty healthy. You know, he's he's spoke at a post practice availability, um, and I, you know, I think that's a that's an important thing because I think he can be a really good player at at that uh, left tackle spot. Um, I'm a little concerned that again that Corcoran has has been hasn't been able to get out there uh, the last day or two. Um, because I think he's an important part of that offensive line. But I do think that they have the ability, um, you know, that uh, uh, Rock Bando talked about uh, uh, he and, and uh, uh, Trent Hickson being six-year guys and the experience that they had and, and the ability to lead. Um, I think that's important in the offensive line, and I just think that the consistency – I, I I have positive vibes about where the offensive line can be. Um, if they can just stay healthy, that's the thing, you know, and like, like we've said already multiple times, Corcoran is, is not in there right now. So they've got other guys that can fit in, but it's probably not quite the same. Babbers, uh, a thought with the, the running backs. It, it sounds like, it looks like that uh, Irvin and Grant are, are doing some nice things and, and you still have Ramir that, is getting work in the slot, but but is also a leader on special teams. Uh, saw footage from from Aaron Sorensen, a, a Yant, 
doing his best bumper car to uh, to some of <laughs> tackling drills. So, uh, what's what's your what's what's the thought on the running back room right now? Well, now I think Whipple said that he'd like to have three of them, right? Didn't wasn't that his comment today? Which, yeah. Um, you know, and, and as we've talked, you, you can have three maybe, but you got to have one guy that you can count on. You know that you're you're not uh, you're not. He might take more snaps than the other two guys. Uh, he might take most of the snaps. That's the kind of guy that you want to have there. I'm impressed with the discussion about Ramirez and his willingness to be on special teams and do pretty much whatever it takes. Um, I think he provides some kind of leadership on that offense um, because of his experience and because of what he's done. And I, you know, I hope that he's not dismissed from the discussion at running back um, because of, because of his experience and because of his willingness to do whatever he's asked to do. I think that's important. And uh, if he's asked to be in the slot and he's asked to be on special teams, um, that's where he's going to be. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity. Mike, let's wrap with quarterbacks and Casey Thompson, Chubba Pretty. Do you think it's just more situational grooming, or do you think it's it's more with uh, some of the reps being split at one with uh, with that quarterback room? I thought that was interesting what uh, Coach Whipple talked about today, but you know Scott Frost said the other day that it's Casey Thompson's job to lose. I think that's still the, the situation, and, and Purdy is number two, and Logan Smothers is number three. It's tough on Smothers because there's a guy that started a game last year and was in a position to where he probably thought, at that point, he probably thought, you know, things change, I'm there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it's what Frost said. It's Thompson's job to lose. I think there's if there's one guy that'll be ready when called upon on that roster is Logan Smothers. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I, I think that if he doesn't get an opportunity this year, he might be a guy that looks at the transfer portal because he could, you know, if he did, if he's the number three guy, the chances are he's probably not going to get in four games unless something happens, like you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm certain that he's going to be ready. But if, if not... You know, he might not get in four games, preserves that redshirt season, and and looks at uh, looks at other places. Although Thompson is is uh, going to be here for what one well, season. Well, then, Mike, let me get your take on this. Do you think the gap is bigger between Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy, or between Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers? Because here yesterday, uh, Logan's getting situational first team snaps, as, as Schmidty was saying, and uh, it, it does sound like that quarterback battle. While there still may, may be some fight, it's it's getting pretty close to being wrapped up and, and Casey Thompson being your guy. Do you think that that battle for the backup spot is getting close to being locked up as well? Um, I don't know. I, I'm probably, I probably don't have enough information to say whether it is or it isn't. I hope it's not mm-hmm. because again, of what Smothers did last year and because of his, he's been in the system. So he knows things from experience um, having done them that uh, should put him in competition with, with Chubba Purdy. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, you know, maybe he ends up being the number two guy or when they get in a situation where they need somebody because of his experience in a different system, obviously, but still um, he has that experience uh, putting in there. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't say, I don't think the competition is, is more distant between the, 
second position and the first position. I think the first one is is clearly uh, a Thompson, and then the competition is probably there. And I don't know, is Harburg in the discussion? If they want to do certain things, he's probably the guy that uh, comes in and uh, can throw the ball and do some things. So um, we'll see. But uh, you know, no, I don't. I think Smothers is still in the competition there for the backup job. Mike, I just have 90 seconds, but uh, you spent a lot of time around Jack Pierce over the years, and Husker Nation lost a good one Monday. Yes, uh, no question about that. Um, Jack goes way back. I think Jack was the guy that uh, recruited Andre Andre Franklin, and yeah. I think that's where Jack came from. Um, and, uh, yeah, just what a nice man. Just a nice man um, and, and good at what he did. He was really a good recruiter, uh, no question about that. And uh, – yeah, I was uh, just sad. Yeah, it's a it's a sad thing, you know. It's like uh, Don Brown always said: you got to be a tough SOB to get old. Mm-hmm. And part of getting old is seeing your friends that are no more. Mm. Well, Mike, uh, appreciate your your thoughts on Jack, and yeah. we'll uh, get caught up again next week as we talk some more Husker football, fall camp, getting ready for Ireland. Always appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, there he is, Mike Babcock with us, historian, author, Hall of Famer, and uh, Big Red Insider with Hale Varsity. You can find Mike and do so on Twitter at MDBabs. So we'll talk and switch gears to a little golf and probably mix in a little bit of football with Mike Shuhart from Wilderness Ridge. I had some friends that were, uh, dare I say, partaking Last weekend at the swim-up bar, Mm. the Lazy River, the adult pool section. That sounds really pretty awesome, but what it means is there's a a certain age, like 18 and over, okay? Again, that sounds bad, too. I'm just going to stop talking. We'll get get a clarification, Shuey. What is this adult pool you have? Adults-only pool you have at Wilderness Ridge, the aquatic center. That's not very, very nice. Uh, Mike Schuart's on the way. Tim Brando, uh, an hour two. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of HaleVarsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Midweek Edition. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good stuff from Mike Babcock on fall camp. We'll hear more from Coach Whipple, Mickey Joseph on the way, and uh, thoughts from Chubba as he's uh, trying to make a run of that quarterback spot. Hour two, Tim Brando, the voice of Fox College football. His take on the Big Red and uh, what's on the verge? I mean, Tim Brando, think about him. He has worked for CBS, covered the SEC, has been with Fox the last nine years, and was with ESPN and was your first college game day host. So Tim Brando's seen all of college football. 
and we'll get his take on the Big Red and uh, the latest TV deal that's set to drop next week with the SEC uh, moving off to ESPN and a billion with a giant capital B for the Big Ten. Emails can send those to Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Can tweet in at the show at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence is uh, where you can go. The uh, consensus today, uh, not a good day for the offense. I like Mike Babcock's take, optimism, and you're going to have the defense ahead of the offense, and you've heard that for years, but it's it's been said for years because <laughs> it's true. Let's hear from Teddy Prohaska. And uh, Big Teddy is uh, a, a vital part of that offensive line. Elijah is coming back from injury, and – Teddy started off his his podium session today on uh, just his freshman season where you saw him get a little bit of time with the idea being that that four-game red shirt threshold, and then you saw him against Oklahoma as an extra protector, and then it, it morphed. He made a nice run to, to, to get that spot locked down on the left side against Northwestern, and then Michigan happened. Here's Big Teddy. You know, there it, it really wasn't a whole lot to go off of. You, I wish I would have had some more film to put out there, but uh, I felt confident. You know, I got those first game jitters out, and it, me and Turner were kind of talking about how we were kind of lucky to play so early and then just get those first game jitters out of the way, those first starts out of the way, so that now I can just kind of roll back in like nothing really ever happened. You know, I don't have to worry about, oh, boy, it's my first start. And it's just, it's just kind of good to get all that stuff out of the way first. You know, and that's so interesting because him and Corcoran were, were in the same exact spots a year apart where here's Turner, start on Friday night against Rutgers, was incredible. And and then you have folks watch your, your film against Rutgers. Guilty is charged right here about anointing. Ah, there's solid attack for the next three. Well, Turner Turner had a tough season last year. And, and gutted through it, to his credit. Same with Ben Hart. I mean, Nebraska Nebraska has played young, young dudes on the offensive line, and they've played young guys on that edge. And those young guys have had to go up against guys that are in the NFL and were juniors or seniors or redshirt sophomores. And it just goes to show why depth is so coveted and experience is so coveted because you've got – three top 150 recruits that it ain't easy making a living on that tackle, in that tackle spot, on the edge, on a Big Ten Saturday. Really good players the rest of the country wanted, Nebraska got, and you're going to take your lumps as a young pup, and you hope to grow from it versus shrink from it. And I think that the difference this season is that rather than showing up you know, your first Big Ten game and getting that test, you're getting some of those guys up against you in practice in fall camp, getting, getting those lumps in early where, uh, I mean, you're talking about, oh, you're going to get future NFL guys at Michigan or Ohio State. Well, guess what? Nebraska's got some future NFL guys in their front seven right now. Whether they're first-round right, picks. Right now. That, that, that remains to be seen. But 
a guy like Garrett Nelson, if he can live up to the billing and, and what we've been hearing out of fall camp, sounds like he's an NFL guy. Uh, Ty Robinson was causing uh, future NFL guys in great Big Ten offense alignment a lot of problems last season. You have a guy in O'Shawn Mathis who's Big 12 all-conference. He's coming in now. You have to block him and um, not even getting into the linebackers and, and other guys among that defense. You're getting that test early now. So while they might be struggling early in fall camp, they're getting their lumps in now and, and they're improving and getting better. And as opposed to getting that experience Come your first week of Big Ten play, you can get it out of the way now, and hopefully you're you're stepping into your Big Ten season. The guys you're going up against in the game aren't as good as the guys you're going up against in fall camp. You've you've at least seen it and experienced it last year. You had one start, and then Michigan happened. You've had to battle back from a mental toughness standpoint due to injury. So this isn't going to be necessarily baptism by fire, but from a from a trust standpoint, you, you have what happened to your knee. That's going to be a hurdle that will, will be in the back of your mind. It's just normal, as big as he is. To, to you got to be able to play free and confident and have no fear of injury. And that's easier said than done in a, a guy who's never really been injured like that, I wouldn't think. Real quick from Teddy, uh, his discussion point here on working back from injury as uh, Teddy Prohaska continues to uh, touch base with uh, where he's at this fall camp. You know, just daily kind of staying in the training room after practice, maintaining uh, what I've been doing, and just kind of pushing. I know some days are going to be a bit tougher than others, but, you know, Rail is kind of working with me, you know, just making sure that each day I'm taking a step forward, step forward, step forward, can't ever go back. What's the hardest part? So more from Teddy Prohaska when it comes to adjusting to Donnie's style. Coach Donnie. Um, you know, the adjustment, they, they did a good job of when we when Rayla got in here, we started drilling right away. And uh, <clears throat> the adjustment was early, early. We had, we had to be adjusted early. So before spring ball even, we were adjusted to it. So it's now more of a consistency thing, keeping that if you get, you know, if you're getting tired or going on a, six, eight, ten play long drive, you know, you have to be consistent with what you're doing. And consistency, you know, it builds trust amongst the line, amongst the backs. They see that, okay, consistently, this is the look I'm going to be getting. That's, you know, where I'm going to be hitting that hole. So just consistency is one of the biggest things that we have to work on right now. More on Raiola's style. You know, he's just a really good communicator. And, uh, you know, sometimes it could be some harsh things, but, like, nothing ever too crazy. You know, he's going to make sure that he's not talking, like, babying you almost he's not going to just come for you he's going to make sure give you tough love say this is what you need to do and over communicate it so that you can fully understand it. if you're not understanding that's where it's our responsibility to ask the questions hey what am i supposed to be doing here i don't fully understand can you explain that and he'll explain it over communicating <laughs> is that with some choice words and some loud volume <laughs> i love it I mean, listen, I had really good coaches growing up, and I had both. I had yellers and screamers, and I had uh, just normal-toned. I had John Wooden-toned guys, right? So, uh, all all, all different kinds, right? Last thought from Teddy, this segment on on the D-line and how it's improving. We we don't have time, do we? Uh, More emails to get to. Keep those coming. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Open lines. Next 10 minutes, 466 3776 825 
888-532-5865. Tim Brando, 15 minutes away. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, we're talking post-practice today, thoughts from Coach Whipple and uh, Mickey Joseph, and uh, also... Uh, some more emails to get to. I want to remind you about uh, buckling up. Uh, so key when it comes to your protection. And a reminder from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office, you drink, you drive, you lose. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Did get another email from Kent, who was uh, the comedian earlier. Uh, has ish- I don't want to say issue, but has a comment towards you, Mr. Elijah. Herbal sounds like he's anointed Nebraska the offseason champ for a 21st year in a row. Oh, that's a little extreme. A little bit. I think you're positive. You're talking O-line. It's a spot you know. I'm confident about the defense. I'll say that. Hmm? I'm confident about the defense. The offense, I think, has potential, uh, but that potential remains to be seen and remains to be realized. So... Until I see otherwise, I'll remain optimistic about the offense and, and what we're hearing from the coaches and the players until proven otherwise. But defensively, I, I can tell you, I, I do feel pretty confident about what that defense is bringing back and what they can be this upcoming season. Can, can we just call the offense what it was last year at times? It's a train wreck. They were a train wreck inside the red zone. They were, They were either... A full beer or all foam with, with just their consistency. They hit a big play, gold. And they hit a lot of big plays. They, they did, but they didn't. if you didn't score on the big play, you are playing with fire to get a field goal to go through the uprights, mm-hmm. first of all. And if they got a, a quarterback run to work out, they were okay. They hit the big play, get some tempo. They could score. But more times than not, I mean, in, in critical and crucial times, a big talking point today, too, was two-minute drill. You had a couple of quarterbacks that you would think are going to be really good at moving the football in close games in a two-minute drill because they are pass-first guys and they can hit some completions. They've got a good football IQ. Right now, it's just been difficult with the, the turnover side of things because you've got to potentially pretty good secondary that we just don't know a ton about and that turnover thing that's been an issue for three years and you could say that this this offense has been a train wreck for three years but it's been an incrementally more manageable train wreck over three well, years that means they're moving in the right direction you're, you're, right? i don't know about you but i mean even with with stan and spielman i mean you had you had some dudes i mean you had some guys that were high flyers and big playmakers you had ozigbo as a thousand yard rusher you can find a way to not be in the way in game one. You can complement the defense. That's take care of the football. That's take advantage of your opportunities. That's get, get some points maybe on a, dare I say, and whisper punt return. Get a short field with a kick return. Or, okay, you're inside the, uh, the, the, the 20, the, you're inside the 30. That's field goal range, supposedly. 
field goal range for most teams in America. It is. So <laughs> help, help the defense. Help the defense get your sea legs and then help the offense. So Tim Brando, he'll sound off on the Big Red. And uh, what's next for college football? Lead college football man for Fox up next on Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment. It's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More thoughts from Chubba Purdy coming up. Also, Casey Thompson, post-practice today. We welcome in uh, decorated broadcaster with Fox. Uh, you'll see and hear him, uh, of course, uh, with college football uh, this uh, season and uh, for college basketball. Tim Brando with us. Find him on Twitter. Give him a follow, at Tim Brando. Tim, you're ready for some football. Thanks for the time. Always. Thank you, Chris, for having me on. It's uh, a pleasure to, to be with you. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, just around the corner now, and uh, the engines are revved up. I, I spoke to a group of uh, the top high school football players and high school coaches in Tyler, Texas, yesterday. So I was in Friday Night Lights country at the kickoff <laughs> luncheon at, uh, at that beautiful town, and uh, it got me fired up. You know, guys like Smith and Jigba of Ohio State, you know, that played their high school ball in East Texas uh, are in the Big Ten now. So there are a lot of stars, as you know, that come from that part of the country, the part of the country I live in, which is northwest Louisiana, southeast Arkansas, and East Texas. And um, I'm, I'm fired up for the football season to start. We get cranking. Spencer and I are going to do two games in two days to open uh, the season. We're going to open at um, – at Indiana with Illinois on Friday, September the 2nd, and then we're going to hop in a Hummer and be driven up to Madison, a few hours north, to do Illinois State in Wisconsin the very next night on FS1. So my bosses clearly think that I'm, uh, I'm rested, ready, and, uh, and I am. <laughs> two, two, let's play two the first two days 
of the first week of college football. So we're excited about it. They're going to need plenty of ice uh, with Bielema's line. You know, I mean, his lines of scrimmage <laughs> are, uh, are handing, right. out, handing out some bruises. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned you were, you were just in East Texas and, and Earl Campbell country and Nebraska doing a, a much better job in Texas uh, with Coach Applewhite. He's... Uh, up uh, in our neck of the woods now from TCU. And I want to start off with Nebraska, Tim. I mean, 15 transfers, some some major gets, uh, not just only O'Shawn Mathis, the defensive end, came down to Nebraska or Texas. Where would he transfer? But the quarterback you've seen a lot of, Casey Thompson, give me a thought on on Nebraska, specifically with Thompson. Is, is It's his job to lose. That's the word anyway from Coach Frost. Yeah, I, I I love the move. You know, there are a lot of questions outside of Lincoln mm-hmm. about uh, the Nebraska program in, in large measure because he, he made his name, Scott did, as, uh, you know, a play caller and an offensive guru at Oregon uh, when he was working, uh, uh, you know, with Chip and then with, with Mark Helfrich. And, and given that up, I think, you know, the Whipple hired me is a really good one, and I think at the stage that Scott – is now with his program, it's probably a good thing for him to start thinking about the totality of the program uh, and the big picture that he's facing, and 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 probably uh, giving some autonomy to coaches that he really uh, trusts. I think that's been the issue for him is that he he's never been comfortable with his staff uh, since he got to Lincoln, and while he might have been uh, ready for a move from the American Conference into the Big Ten. I, I don't know that everyone on his staff at UCF was, and he had to find that out the hard way. So these kinds of adjustments, I know, send messages. People think, well, you can only fire so many coordinators and bring in so many new ones. But I, I think this is a great move, and certainly Lincoln can attract um, uh, big-name transfers. You know, Nebraska's got um, – you know, the brand that can still do that. And a lot of programs, especially now in the NIL era that, that we're in, uh, you know, need to use the transfer portal. And I, I frankly think it's a win-win for, for Martinez to be going where he is um, and for, you know, new blood like Casey to be coming where he is. Um, in big game situations, uh, Martinez just did not live up to the billing. And, and Scott, I think, did everything he could to help that kid, uh, maybe to a fault. Uh, and so I think it maybe is going to be a breath of fresh air for, for both individuals here. And, and Casey is uh, legit. And, um, and as you know, uh, Spencer Tillman uh, played with his dad. So he knows a lot about the young man and, and always has. I think that um, the core values that he'll bring into the locker room to go along with the talent he has on the field can do nothing but good for the Huskers. I really believe that. Tim Brando with his Fox Sports Hale Varsity Radio at Tim Brando on Twitter is where you find him. You mentioned the NIL era. What do you think your old partner, Bino Cook, would say about NIL? It's always about the money, Brando. It's always about the money. Now, now the, you get the material, and some programs get better material than others, and now you can just go out and purchase them. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, he'd have a – he would probably be like a lot of my friends that are 
my age and older mm-hmm. that would be frustrated with it, uh, would think that maybe uh, we've lost sight of, uh, of what uh, college athletics was founded on. But I think it, by the time Bino passed away, which was 10 years ago or so, he, he knew, he understood uh, that, that we needed to expand the playoff. He also understood that today's players were smarter than those he grew up with and that, that I grew up with. Uh, and that you know, getting a piece of the pie was, uh, was something that would eventually happen. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's the death nail to the sport. As a matter of fact, I think it's, uh, it's actually going to help uh, college football in many, many ways. Well, as long as we can regulate it, and I, and I, do, and I, do, I do believe we can. It's not as though the genie's out of the bottle and we can't uh, get her back in. I, I think we can, uh, but we need to do it quickly. And uh, time will help uh, between now and the midterm elections. I think uh, we're already seeing uh, Senator Tuberville, the former uh, Auburn head coach and Texas Tech, Cincinnati head coach, uh, draw up a nonpartisan bill with Joe Manchin uh, to, try to, to try to help with uh, name, image, and likeness and with the transfer portal. Uh, but it's, you know, once we get past the midterms and we get – uh, maybe one party to be in control of both the House and the Senate, I think there's a much better chance that we can regulate uh, name, image, and likeness because that's what's needed. Uh, we're hearing stories even surfacing uh, today about uh, USC's issues. They've got one company that has handled their NIL collectives, and now there's another one operating outside uh, the school's purview, and they're not happy about it. But whether they're happy about it doesn't matter. There's, there's no regulation to keep that, uh, that company from being involved. So that's what we have to do. we got to find a way to regulate it and, and to make sure that players are not uh, brought in uh, by inducements before, for name, image, and likeness and, 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 and have a wild, wild west, which is happening in some places. There's no doubt about that. But I'm here to tell you, uh, in my view, they deserve their piece of the pie. And I also think with these now billion-dollar television deals, they also deserve a piece of the television pie. I think that we will see some revenue sharing uh, for players at, at this level of Division One college football. As, as the separation from the NCAA continues, and that's what we've got going on here, college football Division One is going to be governed outside um, the NCAA. They don't want it. They, they basically decentralized as a result. They kicked the can down the road for 15 years on NIL, uh, basically told all of the conference commissioners, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to legislate. We're not going to, we, we are not going to put ourselves in a position to be sued because we always lose in lawsuits. So, they don't need to be involved anymore in Division One college football, and that's a good thing. Uh, they can they can govern the men's NCAA basketball tournament, all the non-revenue producing sports, uh, FCS football, and Division Two and Three and NAIA basketball. They can have all that, but college football at the Division One level has outgrown the NCAA. And I think once the governance catches up with where the student athletes are in their mentality and their approach, then I think college football is going to be in a really, really good place. We're already seeing how valuable it is 
with the announcement of the new Big Ten deal and more networks, more over-the-air networks getting involved in the college game. Tim Brando's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Tim, that shifting power dynamic you're talking about from the NCAA to the, to the conferences and to the teams, do you think that's the, 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 the kick that Notre Dame finally needs to, to join a conference, whether it be the Big Ten or the ACC? Do you think that's what does it? Or, or do you see Notre Dame remaining independent for the foreseeable future? Well, as we're speaking now, earlier today, Jack Swarbrick was quoted, and I it, it was really – it's funny to see how some of the writers interpret it uh, in social media, especially. Uh, gosh, it sounds like uh, Swarbrick is very comfortable being an independent when he makes the statement that he's really happy to see NBC, um, you know, improve its portfolio of college football by uh, becoming a partner to the Big Ten. Uh, that is a well-timed um, uh, thought from a CEO that's currently in negotiations with NBC to get his deal re-upped for a lot more money. <laughs> I mean, that's what that was. Let's not lose sight of that. Uh, but they are in a great position. Uh, and I mean, they, they, Notre Dame is in a great position. They always are. Uh, they don't need uh, the television money to the extent that other schools do because of all the incredible endowments they have uh, and the history and the strong alumni base that's always been there. But make no doubt, uh, Jack has always had a seat at the table. He has been his own commissioner for his own individual program uh, and never had to worry that he would uh, be left out of a a playoff or BCS format. Notre Dame has been as privileged or more privileged than any other brand in the sport, and he wants to maintain that. Um, It would appear, based on uh, what NBC decided to do, and that was invest reportedly $375 million into the Big Ten, that uh, they, they, they are going more in for college football. But Notre Dame wants more money, too, for their TV deal, okay? And they offer seven home games. Are you willing, NBC, to pay an additional whatever it is, $75, million, just to get those home games? I, I think that's what Swarbrick is banking on. Uh, but his deal isn't done. And uh, I thought that um, his comments today, uh, while triggering a lot of reaction that, that maybe they're going to stay independent, it was also a salvo that he was throwing out there for uh, his, his um, uh, colleagues at NBC to uh, ascertain that uh, he knew that they, they have a lot of money and that they're investing further in college football. But that's a good thing. But that increases the value of, of, uh, of their deal. Okay. And uh, you look, uh, and he has every right to do that. It's part of the negotiating process. But this is my view. Okay. I, I think that regardless of whether Notre Dame uh, joins the Big Ten or not, uh, there will be uh, in the future for Notre Dame a wink and a nod. Uh, and a, uh, uh, a private arrangement uh, that would constitute uh, influence for them, for them to schedule additional Big Ten teams uh, to play every year. They're doing that in the ACC right now. Uh, when John Swafford, the commissioner of the ACC, uh, allowed uh, Notre Dame access to the Atlantic Coast Conference in every sport full-time besides football, 
he mandated in that contract when they signed the grant of rights, which I think is up in 2025, that Notre Dame would play five ACC teams annually uh, and that they would rotate uh, those, those five teams on an uh, on equal basis in terms of where they played their road games. So it's conceivable that once that deal is done or, or nearly done uh, with the ACC, he could do very much the same with the Big Ten. So that teams besides Michigan and, uh, and Michigan State uh, that have played Notre Dame on a regular basis, I think this year Ohio State does, um, Nebraska, I think, potentially could in the future as well. But that three more teams besides the, the, the two in Michigan that have always been on that schedule would be mandated for them to play, albeit as, as an independent. That Notre Dame would schedule five Big Ten teams, uh, keep USC and Stanford, uh, obviously, as traditional opponents and maybe, but that five of those teams on their schedule would be Big Ten teams. So he could, he could manage to do that, but will he get the kind of money he wants for his Notre Dame-only contract with NBC? We shall see. Maybe he will, uh, but maybe he won't. If he doesn't get what he wants, then he's, by not joining the Big Ten, he's leaving some money on the table, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to $50 million annually. He could be leaving on the, on the table if he chose not to join the Big Ten and maybe didn't get what he wanted uh, for, for his, his, uh, his uh, rights negotiation that's currently ongoing. They, they only have seven games, and some of those games are not necessarily competitive matchups. Um, but if NBC wants to do that, they can, and they would have a great lead-in from Notre Dame football, conceivably in the afternoon, going into their Big Ten uh, primetime game. So everyone's a winner here. The question is, how much of a winner is Notre Dame going to be? Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Tim Brando's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Fox Sports, uh, college football college basketball find him on twitter at tim brando tim it's it's weird we were talking about this yesterday and uh you spent uh, a lot of your career as as uh, one of the main faces at espn and i'm not asking you to throw rocks at another network but just being in the industry and one of the top names in the industry it's weird for nebraskans to not think of nebraska on abc (laughs) or or espn and, and, and that uh, partnership going away. But, but money talks right now when it comes to renegotiations. And what the Big Ten's on the verge of is, is incredible when we're talking a billion dollars. Listen, I was told by my old mentor, 
40 years ago uh, at the Final Four in New Orleans, uh, the one where Jordan hit the shot to beat uh, Georgetown and Freddie Brown threw the ball to James Worthy. I had breakfast with my mentor, Kurt Gowdy. He had mm. uh, um, come on to my radio show that I had in New Orleans the night before, and I got to tell him how much I idolized him and how I named my little brother after him. And I, and I listened to him at breakfast on the Saturday semifinal, morning of the Saturday semifinals. And I was looking for pearls of wisdom. I was, I was 26 years old. I was trying to uh, grow my career. I was on the journey. Uh, he had listened to some of my tapes and thought I had some potential. And I just listened. It's probably the least I've ever talked at a breakfast with anybody. <laughs> and, and he told me about our industry and what was happening. And, and cable was exploding in those days. And this was before the lawsuit that was brought by the Universities of Georgia and Oklahoma uh, in the antitrust Supreme Court case won by those schools to get the TV rights away from the NCAA. That happened two years later in 1984. But, but ESPN was three years old at that time. And I was working in Baton Rouge in New Orleans. I was doing LSU games on cable, uh, a cable access channel down there called Tiger Vision. And I had, that, uh, I had those tapes, and he told me I shouldn't leave. He said, you need to stay where you are. Don't worry about getting a bigger job because this cable thing is going to explode. And, and once uh, college ball is more accessible uh, for, for cable television, then it could really take off. He, he actually said the word, uh, he said the, the call letters, he said, this ESPN thing is going to be big. <laughs> and and uh, so I listened, and I stayed uh, in radio and in, in television in Baton Rouge in New Orleans and uh, I was working at the CBS affiliate in 1985 when I got the first call about doing a Duke-Virginia basketball game on January 5th of 85, and that was my big break. My life changed after that. Well, ESPN did not have live college football. All of the stuff they had, including Big Ten, was tape delayed because the NCAA had the rights to live television for college football. So... In 1985, they finally were able to do live games. Mm. And to be part of that, which I was, uh, I was working sidelines and also hosting from the sidelines uh, with Mike Patrick and uh, the Harvard uh, grad that went to Cincinnati with the Bengals as a tight end punter, Pat McAnally. We did the CFA, the College Football Association, primetime game of the week. CBS got the CFA afternoon games. That was the first real big TV deal post-Supreme Court ruling. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't be where I am today without that. Uh, College Game Day, which I was the original host of. Uh, probably a lot of your listeners don't even know that. Uh, it was a gen- that was the ice age, you know, in 1987 when College Game Day premiered with Dino and Corso and Brando. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity without it. Uh, Look, ESPN became what it became on the basis of the NCAA Benz basketball tournament, early round coverage, and also college football, uh, which was long before they got the NFL, Major League Baseball, or the NBA, or any of that. So uh, the foundation of of college football as a whole in the modern era uh, came through the cable explosion of the 80s 
and the birth of uh, of ESPN as a big time uh, swinger of, of college football uh, inventory. So that's what happened. But I remember Kurt at that breakfast telling me, you know, kid, the only thing that never changes about our business is change. Mm-hmm. And he's so right. <laughs> he is so right. Um, that's that's the nature of the industry that we're in. And all of us have to adjust and adapt. I tell young broadcasters all the time, have a head on your swivel because you never know what might happen. Uh, and so here we are 40 years later. And for me, uh, into my fourth network now at Fox, I'm starting my ninth year in the fall after 18 years at CBS and nine years at ESPN and three years at Turner in between ESPN and CBS, uh, I find myself at the next player, the major player to to come forward and compete with ESPN is without question Fox. Uh, the way this whole deal was constructed, uh, the blueprint for the success of this, this contract was orchestrated by, by Fox Television. They got the, the uh, primary rights. And then they negotiated with the, for the Big Ten with the other networks. I mean, that's an incredible precedent-setting circumstance. And to get both CBS to stay in the business, because they were losing the SEC in a couple of years, they get CBS to stay in college football and NBC to increase its portfolio in college football as their partners. And, fellas, what do we have? We have not cable television. We have free over-the-air TV (laughs) on three Tiffany networks starting at noon and ending close to midnight uh, with the the Big Ten Conference in control of those audiences. That's incredible, Uh, the likes of which we've not seen. I I think this is the most uh, incredible deal to have been announced and, uh, and put together since the College Football Association was formed in the aftermath of the Supreme Court ruling. And the reason I say that, I know it's Big Ten generated only, but it is going to have an incredible impact on the rest of college football. Uh, we're going to see uh, digital companies get more involved. Uh, Peacock, I believe, is going to be involved in this deal with Big Ten. But we're going to see with the Big 12 and the Pac-12, uh, not only will ESPN have to aggressively go after that to replace what they've lost, but you're going to certainly see Fox be involved too, I would imagine, and all the other entities. Uh, what happened with this Big Ten deal is not just good for them, it's good for all of college football. That's my point. Uh, the reports of the Big 12's demise when they lost Oklahoma and Nebraska were sadly mistaken, and the, the demise of the Big 12 and Pac-12 with the loss of USC and UCLA, way too quick. People, people want to bury college football whenever they can. All this proves, all this proves is that college football is without a doubt in the minds of television executives the second most popular and needed event on your network behind only the NFL. Tim Brando with us, Fox Sports. Tim, we will... Holler at you again during the season, time permitting for you. And it's good to get caught up again, man. We always appreciate your insight, your thoughts, and thanks for talking some Husker football and for sure the landscape of college football with us, man. That was great stuff. (laughs) Well, it's my pleasure. I look forward to getting back to Lincoln. 
I uh, got a lot of friends there. My buddy, Get Her Done, Larry the Cable Guy's there. And <laughs> Nick Baugh makes his home there. Coogler, I, I love I love coming up to uh, the Lincoln area and sure hope I get some Nebraska games this fall. We hope so, too. Tim, take care, bud. Thank you. You bet. Well, Tim Brando with us, uh, college football man for Fox Sports and FS1. And uh, he'll have a, a double dip, a uh, Big Ten action to, to get the season going. Let's quickly turn to Mickey Joseph. And he was uh, pretty straight up about Omar Manning, where he's at in camp and his expectations and got to play through a, a little bit of pain. More from Mickey here. That he has to practice. He has to practice. He has to play through Knicks. He has to play through him. We're not here, here in Nebraska. We're not going to play you hurt. But if you got a Nick, we're going to ask you to try and go through it. And he's learning how to do that. So that was a, an explanation on on some of the, the things his receiver room is doing to step up. Uh, more from Mickey on that topic. They stepping up. I mean, I got to give it to you. They stepping up. Um, I was happy, you know, that Omar showed up two days in a row. He showed up two days in a row. But they all trying to step up and they all trying to show leadership. Showed up how? How did Omar show up two days in a row? He practiced. He practiced two days in a row. <laughs> wow. So... That's, uh, again, now public knowledge. We've always kind of wondered about the mystery of Omar when it comes to practice. And, hey, two days in a row playing through Knicks. That's that's football. Easier said than done from a studio versus fall camp. Well, especially whenever you're that big body type receiver like Omar Manning. It's going to take a couple guys to bring you down and those Knicks pile up. They they do. And you want to be 100%, but the reality is, is you'll really never be 100% playing in the Big Ten. you got to kind of get through it, and Mickey uh, making that well-known. This was asked about Oliver Martin. Where's Oliver at? And I guess the the button you have to push for Oliver is you got to get him ticked off a little bit, and then you'll you'll see some high-level performance. Mickey talking Oliver Martin. That's my job. That's why, that's why they call me coach. My job is to make sure my players get on the field. So I accept that responsibility. And he's, he's learning how to do some things that he didn't have to do in the past. And he's learning how to do it. And, he's, and he's, he's, it's challenging for him. But he's getting better every day that he comes in here. And when he's on the field, he's really good. Mickey Joseph, last thought on how practice has gone and what the offense is up against. Do 16 here. No, up and down. You know, win some, lose some. You know, it's going back and forth right now. Is it? You know, it's going back and forth. And um, defense had a really good day today. Offense, you know, in spurts. You know, we went at them and um, they responded. We we just gotta we just gotta keep going. We just gotta keep getting them better. That's all we gotta do. Mickey is still open. Nothing's in uh, in ink. He said the depth chart written in sand. And uh, he needs six, would like nine, and he's optimistic. You can find uh, nine on that roster to play. But some of the six were were thinking about going back and forth against that secondary. That that sounds impressive on the other side of the ball with the way that Fisher's got his guys playing. Quick timeout. Hey, Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Hey, Storm Chasers fans. Your favorite baseball team is back at home August 23rd through the 28th when they take on the Rail Riders. It's a jam-packed series that includes a dollar beer night, Friday fireworks, a fun-filled Saturday with music by Lucas Minor and craft specials on Nebraska Brewing Company. And how about Imaginary Friend Day on Sunday? Stevie, you hear that? No. Stevie, stop. This is my mic. Sorry, folks. Stevie gets excited sometimes. Hey, hold on to that excitement and channel it on August 28th at 2.05. Sound good? All right. Fans, get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back in at Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Uh, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how we doing? I'm great, Chris. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're gearing up for football, ready for it. Still lots to get done on the diamond. And as uh, we uh, get closer to the fall classic, man, uh, a lot of issues with the Yankees of late. And uh, Matt Carpenter fracturing his left foot on a foul ball. Dr. Brandon, how often do you see this type of injury in baseball, is it pretty common? I, I mean, I've, I've heard of it happening before, but is it a pretty regular injury when we talk foot injuries, the foul ball treatment? Yeah, you know, actually, it's, it's pretty uncommon. You, you do think about the number of times those players, you know, take a foul ball off the foot um, and, and, you know, have a bruise, and that's kind of it, you know, no, not really having a fracture. So it is pretty rare. We see more, obviously, kind of hand fractures in baseball. Uh, but for this poor, poor guy, it's just kind of bad luck. Absolutely bad luck. Uh, you, you look at the season Carpenter's had. Uh, broke his foot when he fouled off a slider, 89-mile-per-hour slider from Seattle. He's been placed on the 10-day injured list, and they went to AAA to, to find his replacement. But Carpenter's been in a, in a walking boot. And... What's what's your timeline here? What's your your read without seeing a, an X-ray or an MRI? Here is this just something that can heal, or uh, God forbid, we we have to go down um, a, a different path when it comes to the dreaded screws, right? Because that's that's also something that's pretty common with foot injuries and fractures. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in this scenario, they're, they're not saying a whole lot just in terms of anatomically where this is. Uh, but as you kind of look across the foot, think about some different anatomic areas where this could occur. Um, you know, the worst case scenario would be on that small bone on the outside of the foot. We've talked about that before. That's where you have kind of that Jones fracture, where you have a fracture kind of at the base of the metatarsal, which we call the fifth metatarsal. If you have a fracture in that area, that's going to be one of those things you have to think about, you know, putting a screw to the area. Uh, again, pretty uncommon, especially in this scenario. What he's probably dealing with more is they haven't really said a whole lot about surgery options for him would be a fracture one of the other metatarsals. So as you kind of think about your small, your second toe going over to maybe the fourth toe, having one of those long bones in the foot may have a small fracture. Um, and most of the time you can let those heal, and they really do heal pretty quickly. Um, um, especially if it's just one. 
And then it could even be where it's maybe just the phalanx. That's kind of the ends of the toes, the small three little small bones towards the end of the toes. Um, but it could be one of those. And again, those are basically a non-op type of treatment. Um, so it sounds like for him, it's probably headed down that pathway. The big question here is always, you know, the, the larger the bone you get into. So if you go from a little phalanx fracture into the toe to getting into one of the metatarsals, you know, what's that look like from a recovery perspective? Is he back, you know, in the lineup three weeks, four weeks, maybe six weeks? He's probably looking more at somewhere in that kind of four to six week range, I would think, kind of on an average. Uh, just depending on, you know, number one, how well does the bone line up? And of course, how quickly does he heal it, at least radiographically? Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday as we're talking foot fracture as the leading comeback player of the year with the Yankees. Uh, Carpenter is is dinged. He's on that 10-day list and uh, the left foot of Matt Carpenter, the issue. You know, I think uh, the inside of your foot as you're uh, planting uh, on the right side is potential, but more so that front foot when you're at the dish, right? That left foot we're talking about. And uh, yeah. a lot of injuries to the outside, like you talked about, or even off the toe can be problematic. When we talk foot injuries, are they more likely to have recurring nagging issues post-fracture? Is that part of the body uh, more problematic? Yeah, you know, especially in those first couple months afterwards, you tend to feel that, you know, you think about that being, you know, a major kind of weight-bearing area. They tend to be kind of achy, sore, a lot of the kind of cutting, pivoting activities, running activities, you just tend to make it achy and sore for a while. Eventually, you work through that, and that goes away. Um, the one issue, you know, you worry about with something like him, so the running part, you know, covering the bases, that part can be a bit challenging for him. But if you get him back in the lineup and you get in a scenario where he can maybe be in a DH type of role, he's probably back doing that sooner than he is probably playing out in the field. Um, and maybe you get him, um, you know, some reps at a, at a position that's maybe not running around as much. That's the big question mark because if he could maybe move somewhere else. Uh, but those would be some of the debates they'll have to have with him. Well, yeah, listen to Carpenter after the game, quoting him, I went to, to swing at the next pitch. So he fouled, <laughs> he fouled one off, said, you know what, I can get back in the box and knock in a run. Uh, not, so quest, not so fast. He started to plant to his foot and rotate on that back foot in my lower body. It just gave out. Uh, he wasn't able to do it. So mm-hmm. it, it sounds like, a, a, you know, a clean break and a swing and a miss and he was unable to rotate. Can you read anything into that uh, with, with his description there when he wasn't able to, to plant and rotate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes you think that, that that's probably more, maybe kind of more that midfoot area. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about the amount of forces that are going to go through that area, and they might be dealing more with an issue there, especially with the rotational piece of it, um, probably leads you away from, you know, maybe something smaller like the kind of small toe phalanx fractures. It's probably more one of those kind of larger, maybe metatarsal, uh, type issues, metatarsal bone. You know, about a month or so, and uh, is is the projection here of a protective boot will be there? How, my, how things have changed. You, you may have had a buddy or friend that, that busted a foot or a leg, and you see the giant cast that everyone signs with their feet sticking <laughs> mm-hmm. out. Now you guys have that protective boot. What a difference, huh? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. It's really amazing how often we use those things, and it has. It's been a total kind of game changer. Uh, for athletes, 
um, and you know has sped up the process. Obviously, the mobility piece and just the ease of using that as compared to you know trying to manage a cast is so much better. So, uh, Dr. Brandon, with Matt Carpenter being 36 years older, are you worried about how he'll just be able to come back from this and get back into to playing shape? I mean, the, the foot's a place where if this is season ending, you know, uh, it, it's a long time before you're getting back ready for baseball, and he'll be, I believe, 37 years old by then. Is that going to be a factor in the recovery? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, age might be a little bit of a factor. Maybe some of the, the healing the healing's a little bit slowed, you know, at, at that point. Um, so it might take a little longer to heal this. You know, looking at him kind of long-term, I don't anticipate this being something that really will impact him, you know, kind of next year long-term. Um, it'd probably be something else, be more of an issue there. Um, but the big issue is, yeah, I mean, age does play somewhat of a role here in terms of recovery, and that could be a, a big X factor for him just in terms of can he get back by the end of the season. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, thanks for talking some baseball with us. Always appreciate the time. All right, guys. Thank you. You guys take care. Got a good uh, tweet in from Jeff asking about Notre Dame. That was part of the conversation yesterday and today. And uh, his question, very simple. And I know a lot of the football fans feel this way that may have a little Notre Dame overdose. But he's like, look, does anyone care that much about Notre Dame for them to continue their own individual contract? I doubt it. And coast to coast, man, they are, whether you love them or hate them, uh, they're Coca-Cola. I got some numbers for you. We're going to do it after the break. The, you have some TV viewership. And, and to get their eyeballs meshed in with the Big Ten, I think you, you try and make it happen. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Tim Brando today. Get the podcast. Do so. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And uh, the one video segment we have today will be up on Hale Varsity YouTube channel. That was with Mike Babcock. Uh, Mike Shewart also uh, was scheduled to join us. We'll catch up with Shuey another time. But plenty of thoughts from Mark Whipple. Plenty of thoughts from Teddy Prohaska. And some Mickey Joseph post-practice today. Tomorrow on the show, Jeremiah Searles. Get his take on the offensive line. Searles will join us. We'll spend time with Gary Barnett, uh, looking at uh, Brandon Vogel tomorrow, and then VEASAN Sports Network's Danny Burke. So uh, a loaded Thursday for you. TV numbers for the Irish, uh, based on uh, the Twitter question we just fielded. Are they that great? Are they that important? And uh, Jeff, hey, it's a fair question, but they've been to the college football playoff. And if you can switch them from playing the Clemsons and Florida States and the ACC schedule to what they've been doing a long time anyway, and that's playing Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, you have USC now, Stanford and the, the, the service academies, they, they will always want to play. And then if you mix in Notre Dame, Iowa, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Penn State, Notre Dame, I mean, so maybe they aren't officially part of the Big Ten Conference in football, but technically they're not officially part of the ACC, but they've been doing what they want in the ACC, and it's helped them. I mean, it's going to be great ball games for more money and more viewership. Well, and just look at the, the, in terms of viewership, look at the Catholic factor. I mean, 
Catholicism is the, I believe, the largest religion in America. And I believe the number is somewhere around 70 to 80 million estimated Catholics in this mm-hmm. country. Now, I'm not going to say every single Catholic's a Notre Dame fan. That'd be ridiculous to say. But let's put a conservative estimate of 10%. 50%? 50% is... I mean, if, if you're looking at... Don't you think? Uh, we got to talk to our, our, our maybe, Notre uh, Dame aficionado, Jim Hansen, on this. But 50 million maybe... Sorry, 50% maybe have some sort of interest. They'll, they'll follow the results. But let's say conservatively 10% are going to want to watch the game on an, on an average Saturday. That's still putting a 7 million viewers. 7 million viewers. And every game is different. And the, the, the factor of 10% might not be the best math. But it's a lot of people who care about Notre Dame football. Well, and, and there's a lot of people who care about Notre Dame football to bet for or against on Notre Dame. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who hate Notre Dame. They just want to turn the TV on or radio and see them lose. But the matchup, it's always me. I remember like it was yesterday. Like the one football game my wife wanted to ever go to was, can you get me seats to Notre Dame? Like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what are you willing to pay? But did you have viewership numbers? Oh. The one thing I forgot to pull up during the break. That's fine. <laughs> so, yes, they are a big deal. They think they're a big deal. you got to let them think they're a big deal. But that's all part of the courting. So, make it happen. And if they were uh, hell-bent on staying with NBC to keep getting paid, let them. I, I got the math. So, in the COVID year, 2020, my math wasn't too far off. Five million viewers was their average per game. And I said seven? Yeah. So look at that. Look at that. I still got it. Well done. Load up tomorrow back at four on Hale Varsity. And uh, can always check the show out. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play for the podcast. Give us a review. We'll thank you for it. Talk to you tomorrow on Hale Varsity. See you. A Huda Media Production.